Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. again. Happy Friday. Yay. In the middle of Mercury retrograde <laughs> and all that swims with that. Yeah. Good time. Yes, no kidding. So, as always, the first question of the day is, how was your week? <laughs> She's rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> yeah, and right before the show started, Elvira and I were talking about the, the topic for this evening, and we started going off on a tangent, and then Block Talk Radio said, hey, you have 30 seconds, and we were, uh, we'd already started the show. And yeah, there we were. <laughs> yes, so, uh, you know, I'm mostly good, as per usual. Um, uh, I have a perfect example of Mercury Retrograde on my way here, because, you know, I live like 20 minutes from Elvira, and I drive over a hill, and then we do the show together because it's more fun, and we can rip off of each other and yeah. throw things at each other, and whatever. So I I knew I needed gas uh-huh. for my car, uh-huh. and there is plenty of gas stations along the way, but there is one at Seven Eleven that has the cheapest gas, and that's where I was going to go. Right. So I I left my house and I pulled into the first gas station closest to my house, and then went, Why did I pull into this parking lot? I wanted to go to 7-Eleven, so I start. I I got in into the pump and turned off my car and then went, what am I doing? Turn my car back on, drive down the road to the 7-Eleven, I get out, and it says you have to go inside to pay. I'm like, gosh, golly gee, I'm so annoyed by this, but I get my card, I look at my pump number, and I start walking inside, and these two women come out, and they say, they're out of gas. I said, What? Oh, my goodness. They're out of gas. Uh, so I think I'm not going to drive back. Now I know why I pulled into the first of gas. Of course, station, of course. But I'm not going to drive back <laughs> to the first gas. It's in the opposite direction. I have the thing about going backwards as a direction. point. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. So I'm thinking, how long has my, my check gas light been flashing? Can I make it over the hill? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to risk it. So I drove over the hill the whole time freaking out that uh-huh. I had run out of gas. Uh-huh. And then I pull into the very first gas station on the other side of the hill, and the gas is like 10 cents more. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. And then I, I got here, and I made it in time. I didn't run out of gas and all of those things. But holy crap, was that annoying. I totally dig it. Totally understand it. Yeah. So how about you, Elvira? How's it going for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, other than the fact that, um, well, this particular subject seems to have hit a very distinct um, DNA energy pattern, Mm -hmm. which we'll discuss later, obviously. But that hit me, but the... um, Mercury retrograde in truest format gave me the hi. We'll go ahead and give you a 
a situation where you need to, you know, rethink how you do your stuff. So it was around my car repair that I had, and luckily the long and the short of it was as I had money set aside but not enough and, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing, and I had to revision my whole feeling and big money out of my backyard and the hole that I keep it in and, you know, things like that. Awesome. And after I did that, I, I was able to kind of go, oh, okay, fine, and then went right into the next one, which was the insurance, the health insurance, which, of course, uh. because I'm – Taking, obviously, I'm Medicare and, you know, all this stuff, so I have to do this. And so I had to go through a whole process, and it was fascinating and scary, and I'm like, well, revisit it, have to do it. So I did that before the show yeah. and kind of went, you know, we're done as far as I can see. This was my week for these things. And, you know, the rest of it is slow here, fast there, people over and over going through things that they, you know, are like it's a well-worn record and sometimes they actually are ready to break it and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of it is, you know, okay, I'll just, you know, go to work and come back and smile. <laughs> Smiling's going to help sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I, I actually talked to my um my teacher in the Hawaiian tradition now, Ho'okahi is his wife. Um, Kahu, of course, has passed over. So, um, but she's also my teacher, and so I was in one of my moments of thoughtful confusion, and proceeded to have a nice talk with her. And she kind of threw some stuff at me that was really good. I thought I was going to get one of those standard teacher things: snap out of it, <laughs> move on. Right. But she was a little bit more easy going in that way and still got yeah. got to what I needed to get through right. in my little brain. Right. So that being said, we're now here for Stregaria. Yeah. So we're continuing our shows on different traditions of witchcraft and paganism tonight we talk about the Italian tradition of Strega or American Italian tradition yes. of Strega and some of the origins and some of the misinformation and some of the things that we, I think, we as the general pagan community make assumptions about that aren't true. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So digging right in. So obviously there is, in truth, very few books really written on the ways of the Strega, right? And... Um, the most famous overall is Aradia, mm-hmm. the Gospel of Witches. Right, which is from 1899, right? Sir Charles Leland. Yes. yes. And, of course, there are others that have, have gotten a little bit into it, um, different people, but most especially uh, the person who kind of revisioned bringing it forward was Raven Gramasi. Right. And I'm going to let you, since you are so excited about what you found, I have feelings. <laughs> no. So, you know, the more, and I just am going to be so blunt right here for a second. <laughs> As if that's something new. I know. Right? <laughs> the more we do this show and the more I start digging into the roots of these traditions, mm-hmm. the more I'm like, oh, this was all made up in the 60s and 70s. Of course. And I'm okay with some of that. Mm-hmm. And I practice, 
and I'm initiated in traditions that I know were made up in the 30s or 40s or right. 50s or in the 19th century. In the no. 19th. 20th century. 20th century. Yeah, but 19th would be 1800s. We're a little too young. The mid 1800s, these things were being born and right. And and I do want to believe in the earnestness of of the predominance of the men mm-hmm. who created these traditions, um, who wrote these books and had these books published and were philosophers and interested. Mm-hmm. And there are some things about these older traditions that are a little bit creepy, uh-huh. a little bit lechy. Uh-huh. You know, we, talk, we did our show on Gardnerian Wicca. If you want to hear me bitch about lechery, that I'll talk about it on that episode. Yes. Um, and that's, I don't get that from Strega, but a lot of the origins of Raven Gramasi are Wicca. Uh-huh. And I think it's um, interesting how many of these traditions, and I'm using air quotes here, yes. she is, say that, uh, are, all go back to Wicca, Gardnerian witchcraft, and this one symbol, this one system, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful system, and it's um, ritual. It's a ritual system, mm-hmm. right? It's not necessarily hands-on folk magic, get your fingers in the dirt, witchcraft, right? Right. So there are layers of witchcraft. There is the ritual and there is the spellcraft, mm-hmm. and there is the devotional, and all of these pieces mm-hmm. can be taken a la carte, mm-hmm. or they can be taken together. And I guess, now that I'm saying all these things out loud, what I guess I am coming to realize is that I've always assumed that they were all together. Right. And my practice has always been all together, and I'm realizing that's not actually true. Right. And a lot of this stuff was born from from good old Jerry Gardner. And Gramasi, Raymond Gramasi, created this, this system. And some of it may have really been tr- from a traditional lineage. Some of it may have really been things that he learned in his family, the folk magic part mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. But the ritual part of it really is a modern concept. Right. So I've got feelings about... Um, specifically Raven Gramasi saying that this is some ancient system because I don't know that that's true. And it bugs me. The reason it bugs me is because making it older and trying to bullshit your way into saying it's older doesn't mean it's better or not as effective as something that was created yesterday. Right. If it works, it works. Uh-huh. And if it speaks to you and it makes your soul sing, obviously, as it has for you to uh-huh. speak and doing research and stuff, uh-huh. then it works. Right. You don't have to say you were born of this long line of Italian witches and make it seem like it's something more woo. Well, I think it's also because, you know, here goes the the um, patriarchal point of being thrown in. You have a lineage. Yes. You have a line, yes. and it goes from A down to Z, and you can you can go right back up or right back down and find everybody that you have the justification for what you do. Now, right. I understand in other traditions that may not have the patriarchal structure but have an honoring of where their tra- their training came mm-hmm. from, but it's it's like an example is in the Hawaiian tradition of the true kahunas, which don't exist very much anymore because mm-hmm. most of them have passed on, um, they would study with all the different branches. They okay. couldn't just be the one that they were doing. They had to go through the whole thing. So it was a holistic point of reference, a circle of energy. Right. Uh, and I think that the, 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 um, 
the consciousness of what we would call, and now it's called the old ways or the old religion, and it's a stamp that has been used not just with Strega or Stregeria, mm-hmm. it is with the Celtics, it is with mm-hmm. the Norse, it is mm-hmm. with all of the different ones. They talk about the old ways yes. or the old religion. Yes. And part of what I see here is this is true. It's old, it has heritage, yes. it has a, a basis, but... <laughs> We are in a modern day. Yeah. We have modern consciousness. We're not even talking about our melting pot of cultures. We're just talking about what we think and feel based on our daily life. Right. And the more we have gotten away from living in harmony with the seasons and the light and the dark of how, you know, you go through a day, not by the hour Mm -hmm. that you're at. Right. You have lost all of that flow. Yes. And that was the old way. Yeah. And what we have now is another version. And as my teacher pointed out, why keep going back to the old way as if that was a better thing of right. everything? Right. Right. It is part of it. Right. But, I mean, we don't get out and go get our, our milk the cow and churn our butter. Right. We buy them in the grocery store. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people that do like it or do want it or, you know, maybe sometime there may be a need that we don't have all these wonderful things. But at this moment, we go to the grocery store and get our butter. Mm -hmm. And I look at what I came into contact with was the energy of the old way. Right. Right. And I think that 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 is a signature Mm -hmm. that has bled through Mm -hmm. and that is what's important and there's lots of ways to connect to that signature right you know that signature is part of the fabric of the planet right there are lots of ways to connect to that signature and i think that in the 70s and the 80s there was this desire and this need to have it be something traditional uh-huh. something older you, uh-huh. it gave it more credit uh-huh. and now all all of these folks like like raven Gramosi, to be totally freaking frank here who created this background uh-huh. now people have access to the internet we can research your whole freaking lineage and find out okay well you're that's not even your name you're not even italian and that's not true about raven Gramosi. that's not his legal name but he is american italian that is uh-huh. true he is american italian um, but none of that is really that important, right? Because this system worked. And the thing that I also want to name, and I mentioned this to Elvira before we got started, is you know he's published two, three books on Strega. Yes. Three. Um, and in in 1970 is when the Italian American witchcraft thing really started uh-huh. to be reborn by Leo Martello, um, and he wrote a book called Witchcraft: The Old Religion. He never uses the word stregaria, stregaria, so yes, I get, sorry. Okay. He refers to it as the strega tradition, and we need to remember strega means witch, right? Mm-hmm. Like wicca supposedly means wise one, Why? Right? right? Right. So strega means witch, but think about what the word witch would have meant for hundreds of years. It would have meant something evil, uh-huh. right? So in the 1970s, it starts to be reclaimed. Raven Gramassi publishes his first book in 1981 uh-huh. about uh, Italian witchcraft. Uh-huh. And then he writes a few books after that. And he was the director of the Arasian, Aradian, Aradian. Aradian Temple of Witchcraft uh-huh. until 2004, uh-huh. when he has stepped away from that part of his witchcraft life. 
Uh-huh. He no longer practices quote-unquote traditional Italian witchcraft, he's now created um, a whole new tradition, a a brand new tradition, the Ash, Birch, and Willow tradition Uh that he co-directs with his partner, uh, whose name is escaping me. Stephanie. Yes, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie Gramasi. Um, But that is a whole different system. It's much more eclectic Wicca Mm -hmm. style, and it's Mm -hmm. not this focus. And he's even come out to say, you know, I'm connected to this this Strega tradition, but I've written 12 books, something crazy like that, and only three of them are about Strega. I do all this other stuff. So we've given what I feel, we've given Gramasi a bigger voice in Strega than maybe he actually wants or deserves. Right. 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 And in um, the ways of the Holy Strega, yeah, he basically makes a big point of saying he's a folklorist. Right. And that book's out of print, isn't it? Um, actually, no, I got it on Kindle, believe it or not. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. And a couple of them have changed names. When okay. they reprint, they change yeah, the name. Yeah. I think um, Heredita... Hereditary Witchcraft changed its name. Uh, Ways of the Strega is another one, um, but definitely the Holy Strega, the Way of the Holy Strega. And that is actually more of a folkloric book than it is these other two which talk about rituals and, you know, actual tools and all the different things that we talk about when it comes to the how-to hands-on stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can see where there is a lot of pulling from the the pagan Wicca yeah. point of reference, but true to the Italian perspective. Right. So um, is there anything you wanted to say more? I think we've really given that a, a good a good poke at it. Good poke at it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I might, she might probably come up with something else. Bitch about later, you know. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, that's, I know. I think that's a good start. But that's yeah. a good start. One of the things I did see, and this is probably when, when it started to affect me is that the reason why I've never really, quote, been drawn, unquote, to practicing stregeria yeah. um, was that it was too close to the Christianity. Now, I know people are going to go, what, what? Right. But what it is is that it was the old ways. Mm-hmm. But what they did was when Catholicism became so heavy-handed, they started to do what happened in the situation here in America when you had the slavery bringing uh, the slaves coming in with their African-Caribbean beliefs and religion and philosophies that they had and melding it with Christianity. And for some reason, it just never jived with me with, you know, that Catholic overlay. But it was... The and it was it so it it is very 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 similar in how it came especially the the uh, gospel of you know Aradia's the gospel of the witches it was very much a enslaved people's mm-hmm. consciousness of what they could do and it was all about freedom and the freedom to do and be who they were right. and the same kind of thing that happened with the hoodoo tradition and how it came about right. 
and what the philosophies are and the feelings are. And I was really taken by that because I could never really, you know, get into it. And now I understand that what I did was I kind of backed into it through doing hoodoo. Yeah. And being involved with educating myself and and coming to it in that format. And I think it's also because I'm, I think, older and I have a, a more seasoned point of reference. Yeah. But because of that, I began to see how Aradia was very much like, well, even if you're going to go to Jesus, she has her disciples, she has her, her group of people, she tells them to go out and she has her nine scrolls and go out and, you know, do the, the teaching and do all, she you know, all of the things. Mm-hmm. There was a direct, their way of making it connect to the feminine, the goddess, and the old way of looking at their worldview and their spirituality. Right. So basically, as the Catholic Church starts to get more influence, the the mythology Uh that, and a lot of this is written about by Charles Leland Uh in the the book about Aradia, is that uh, the goddess Diana... And Lucifer had a child, uh-huh. and they sent her to Earth. Arabia uh-huh. was her name, and she, her job was to bring witchcraft to the people uh-huh. in order to fight against Catholicism uh-huh. and to keep them rooted to the folklore traditions uh-huh. and the witchcraft traditions. Uh-huh. Right. So she was a female messiah, but she was born of a goddess, and the goddess Diana, right? Who's, right. You know, not especially known for. She's not the mother. Yeah. And Lucifer, who wouldn't have existed to, right. to the ancient Italian people. Of course. But Lucifer, in his guise as the light bringer, uh-huh. right? Because there's lots of stories of Lucifer prior to Fallen. Right. Where he, he is the light bringer. Uh-huh. So Aradia is born of this energy. And uh-huh. um, the whole, supposedly, Charles Leland was given text from an Italian woman named Maddalena, uh-huh. and she lived in Tuscany. And supposedly, this is all based on ancient Etruscan mythology, uh-huh. and the entire book that he wrote about Aradia is um, the Gospel of the Witches, and uh-huh. it's, it's based on all this information. And what is interesting, Aradia is having a really big rebirth right now. Yes. She's getting a lot of attention. She's getting, she's written about a lot. Uh, there's a whole hashtag, we are Aradia. Ah. Um, and people are calling on her again because we are reaching a point in our lives and in the world and mm-hmm. in society right now mm-hmm. where we need her help again. <laughs> right. How do we fight systems of oppression, dear goddess? Please freaking help us. Right. Um, and so this is, this story and this energy has greatly influenced what modern Strega looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was uh, mentioning is that in the Catholic um, tradition and, and uh, situation, they wound up, one of the uh, people, one of the abbots wrote a, a thesis, so to speak, I don't think it was called a thesis then, of the the age of reason. And he divided it into three aspects. The age of the Father, which was prior to Jesus, the Old Testament. The age of the Son, which was the New Testament in Jesus. And then the age of the Holy Spirit. Right. Now, which was the age of reason. Now, obviously, in the Aradia text, 
the process was the same. Right. She came through and spoke among all the other teachings of the age of the father, the age of the son, and then the age of the daughter. And she was presenting the next level where men and women would walk together. There would be a, a, um, an equality and understanding. There would be all of this, this experience. But before that, there would be much upheaval right. and much um, devastation. And to bring it more current, I look at that whether or not I'm going to call this the age of the daughter or not, mm-hmm. which I would tend to do, uh, is that what you have is a great deal of upheaval. Yeah in the male structured processes, be it government, religion, um, relationships, mm-hmm. gender mm-hmm. delineations, quote unquote, right. um, and that whole process because it was part of that last part of that age before the next one came. And of course there's they because they needed this, the, there was always a prophet, a messiah that would come. Mm-hmm. And she would be called the silent one. So I don't, whether or not I have a true connection to that being the the one, um, I do see it as the way the energy is. And when I was reading this, that was something that was very prevalent mm-hmm. about especially what is happening now. Absolutely. And what's fascinating is the Diana, the cult of Diana, uh-huh. there's evidence of it lasting way into the witch trials. Oh, yes. So Diana was, a, in Italy, Diana was a goddess that, that survived a, a long time in comparison to some of the other goddesses um, and wasn't assimilated. You know, like we've talked about before in Ireland, they couldn't get the people to stop worshiping the goddess Bridget, so they made her a saint. Exactly. Right? They didn't do that with Diana uh-huh. the way that they did it with other goddesses. And then the, this further story emerges of her sending a daughter to further influence humans right. towards the ways of witchcraft. Right. 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 So it's it's pretty interesting, and there there is something really interesting in exploring too. I mean, if Strega feels like something interesting, uh, a path you might want to follow, uh-huh. reading up on Diana and what she represented uh-huh. and what her energy uh-huh. is, because that is also a huge influence. The um, modern Strega works with a pantheon that has a moon goddess and a horned god. Uh-huh. So it's the, it's a dualistic tradition, right. at least based on a lot of Gramsci's writings. And we have that, that moon, sky, energy uh, that is feminine, mm-hmm. and then that earth, forest, mm-hmm. energy that is masculine. Right. Right. And that also, like, Diana and Lucifer. Like, right. You can see these right parallels. The parallels. And they do have a lot of sun, moon. Yeah. You know, and they have the stages. It was interesting about the duplicities of uh, the horned one, the hooded one, yeah. and the old one. Right. being the male, and, of course, the maiden, the mother, the crown, mm-hmm. and how, you know, they they brought that in. And then they brought in, actually, I was fascinated, they brought in um, a lot of, well, you have, Artemis was totally Greek. Yes. And not part of the Diana or Dionic point of reference. Right. They, they tried to find a similarity, but it really, she was too virginal, Diana became both virgin and protectress of the woods, but also the mother, mm-hmm. you know, Diana of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And um, then, of course, the crone, and that's when Hecate came in. 
Right. And that fascinated me because, as you know, that's my one of my patron goddesses, mm-hmm. the patron goddess I work with. Right. And then they talked about Dionysus, which I thought was fascinating to mm-hmm. what we did last, last week. And it was the, which, of course, became part of the Horned One process in the forest and the the uh, freedom. Right that they were they were working with. Right. And brought some of that in and as yeah. we discussed, you know, each of the different cities had their own ways of, you know, dealing with the deity. But um it was very obvious from what I could see that they were very much looking at the moon and what it had to offer at night and the di- you know, the Dionic yeah. point and then the sun being you know, whether it was a god or Lucifer or, you know, that other part and the dynamics, right? And um, we'll throw in the later because it was also very star-based. Right. right. You know, with stars. and. There's uh, also some um, belief, and none of this can be proven anymore. Of course. So it's all just, unless something new gets unearthed that says, oh, here's a radius grave. But some folks believe that Aradia was actually a human woman, right? Uh-huh. And like this Bridget idea, Bridget right. perhaps was a human woman. Um, Aradia di Toscano. Uh, and that she was a witch, uh, an Etruscan pagan. Uh-huh. And that she passed on her knowledge uh-huh. to the three clans. And this, I have to just say, this is where I'm like, bullshit. Maybe it's true. I am open to being wrong, right? But can I just right? I just yeah, have go for it. Okay. Go for it. So the triad clans that were gifted the knowledge of witchcraft from Aradia di Toscano, right. right, were known as the Tanara, Genara, and Fenara. Right. How fucking wonderful all of their names rhyme and are perfectly the same and are st- they just have one letter different. Right. Oh, my God. When I read it, I was like, no way that someone is actually going to, like, oh, that makes sense. How cool is that? No way. I was so irritated when I read that. <laughs> well, <laughs> they also point out Tana, Tanus, yes. Diana, Dianus, Jana, Jana. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. They have this thing. And, I, and again, if I you get it. But see it as another <laughs> point of reference that it was probably regional. I know, I know. And it just happened it, to be. I can, like I said, I am happy to be wrong. <laughs> but this just seems way too beautifully storybook. I'm sure. Give me a break. Yeah. Well, witchcraft clans, whatever. <laughs> but also realize that in, in the Tuscany area, they're talking about, and this is the other part, is the gypsies. Yeah. And the Romani gypsies. Right. The gypsy gypsies. And so you do have yeah. that. Um, part right. of the area that does, yeah, yeah. I think that that's how they embellish it, yeah, and go from there, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. And I love the drama of it and the storybook nature of it and the the family lineages of the three tribes. I love all of that in my heart. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful and romantic, mm-hmm. but in my brain, I go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting more and more jaded and cynical. <laughs> well, it's also because for all of our intense trying to find that thread that we go from A, as I said, from A to B to C, yeah, we've lost the yeah. concept. Right. Right. And so we're rewriting it and filling in the holes. Exactly. Like, like uh. What is it? What is the word? I can't. Jurassic Park. Yes. Where they have to rebuild the DNA of the dinosaurs 
So they just slip in amphibian and reptile DNA and those missing segments. Exactly. That's what we're dealing with paganism now. We're, we're these these traditions, these ancient systems. Uh-huh. We only have bits and bobs. Yeah. And so we're filling in the blanks, and that's okay. But let's just be honest that that's what we're doing. Right. And not. Well, that's because people still are trying to find a way to justify. I know. And well, mine is 500 years old, so mine must be right. And yours is only 200 years old, so yours isn't as good as mine. That's stupid. Uh-huh. I would like to point out to all of the pagan and witches, we are a minority in this country. So trying to, in, in the world, uh-huh. so trying to further fracture ourselves into yeah. smaller and smaller pie pieces is uh-huh. dumb. Right. We need to be accepting of everyone's systems. And mine isn't wrong and right, and yours isn't wrong and right. They can both be right at the same time. That's how magic works. Right. See, and I even agreed with you. Saucy. <laughs> we should take a break so I can shut up. Okay, we'll let you take a break. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candela Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. We're back after Jeannie. <laughs> Jeannie makes everything better. I know, I know, I know. Fired up. Okay, so here we go. Um, you know, again, the I guess the teachings of Aradia, and and it's only because I actually enjoyed reading the ways of the Holy Strega and looking at some of the things it was talking about. So it was more the thoughts of it. I mean, we can talk about the different uh, tools which we've actually done. Yeah. The tools that they use are almost identical to the standard tools right. that all of us have. Right. All right. They may set it up a little differently with elemental bowls that circle the pentacle. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they use the, the bowl of the um, spirit flame, the blue spirit flame, mm-hmm. as a center to represent the goddess, the divinity. Um, so and they put their altar facing north, I read. Yes, yes, yes. And if you think about it, first of all, we're talking about Tuscany, which is in the north of Italy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you orientate things, I believe, from reading and going through the different um, 
traditions. Yeah. It's where you are on the world. You know, you're in a in a Absolutely. certain area. You know, the Polynesians because they were more south, but you know, it's you know we still have north, south, east, west, mm-hmm. but it's it's different. It's the other side. It's the other hemisphere. Right. Um, but yes, they face the north, and obviously they have both the god and the goddess. But um, a lot of what I found in terms of they do have, and it's funny because they call it a nanta bag which basically is a medicine bag, you know, if you're going to look at what it is, because it's designed to be worn to harmonize the forces of nature, mm-hmm. but it's also to carry a bunch of mini little tools so you can do ritual anywhere, right. again, without carrying all of the right. the garb that you would normally carry. And so, of course, they will have, you know, things like um, a symbol, for uh, a chalice and a needle or a pin for a blade and a stone for earth and a feather for air and, Lovely. you know, a coin for pentacle or, you know, things. And so they, they and then little special things, shell, water, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it was used in that manner, so they, they would tend to do that. And um, obviously how they do gestures. Mm-hmm. They had certain structures of hand movements, mm. which was really interesting on how to draw the power in and yeah. how to send the power out. And that's a very traditional Wicca thing in, mm-hmm. in witchcraft. If you mm-hmm. pick up virtually any book on sort of eclectic or general witchcraft, right. Wicca, you'll see you know, the banishing pentagram and the invoking pentagram and the, the goddess post posture and mm-hmm. god posture and all mm-hmm. these different ways of, of calling in energy and, and holding energy in your body are done with specific movements and right. postures. Right, right. Yeah, structure. And one of the things I did find, which is interesting, because they were talking about symbols and sigils. And yeah. this was a definition that really helped me because, you know, when I thought, well, symbols are there for something. They're drawn similar to um, the alphabet. The sigil is the idea itself or the essence. And sigils are used for invocation, and symbols are used um, to be marked on tools and equipment mm. and to call, you know, to write to call an entity in. Right. So it was, again, these are similar things to all that's out there. And this is the information that we know of because it was a very secretive, just like right. witchcraft in the rest of the parts of the world where inquisitions were going yeah. on and, yeah. and, you know, those things. So we could only get certain things because somebody's grandmother did this or right. great-great-great-grandmother that came down. Um, they obviously have a drawing down of the moon. Mm-hmm. They have ways to raise the power um, and then preparing the circle and then obviously... Um, because the right of the union, the union of male-female, right. there was, again, the, the concept of sexuality. And I think that came because freedom of who you love, freedom of who you choose to have sex with, mm-hmm. before it was mandatory, you know, certain things were mandatory. So in this particular belief system, the way it's presented is you are free in all parts of your mind, body, and spirit. Right. right. Um, and then they have different things. They talk about, you know, the different kinds of magic, from spirit magic to deity to formula. Um, I think some of this we've touched on in other other things. Yeah. 
and, you know, the different kinds of herbs and, and things they used. Rue is very popular, very, very protective. It was a very big thing. Vervain and fennel, you know, and walnut. The walnut tree was fascinating because there was um, a mural that they found in a particular area that was the one and only designation of what witches and the stregeria was like. And it had a, you know, a walnut tree and it had, again, this is fascinating, um, women dancing. And there were birds flying. And the birds, of course, you know, the male, the eagle, the Jupiter, the male energy, but there were penises. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the male energy of that. And supposedly, of course, the church had to find a way to deny what this is about, is that they talked about how witches stole the male power. They stole the men's sexuality. And they made oh, right, right, them, right. Yes, know? yes. There's lots of stories. And a lot of, I forgot about this. A lot of them are Italian. Yeah, about witches who steal penises. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that's one of the things that I come across over and over again is that, you know, if you were to go to Italy right now and ask about Strega, most people would go, oh, no, 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 that's, of course that's not. that scary witch shit. Don't mess with that. Right. Uh, but one of the things that has, you know, Elvira's used the word Stregaria, and there's Stregoneria. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know if I'm saying that right because I'm terrible with language. As if you've listened to this show in the past, you know I suck at pronouncing things right. Right. But that's anyway, okay. but there is this whole system of Catholic rooted folk magic that survived. Mm-hmm. And so the folks who are practicing American Italian strega mm-hmm. often, like Raven Gramassi actually, his website's like, Watch out, you don't want to go to these people because they're actually just practicing Catholic folk magic. Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably something really powerful mm-hmm. um, and hidden mm-hmm. in those traditions mm-hmm. because it's it's going to have threads of what the ancient people were actually doing because it, it was incorporated into Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, and it was, it was fascinating because now that I've done hoodoo, yeah, it talks about binding a man's male energy and doing all these different things that were very much a part of what, I mean, we're going to call them witches. They were the stregas, the stregoni, S-T-R-E-G-O-N-E is the male version of strega. Mm, Okay. So it's like, you know, um, wizard and witch, right? Kind of a thing. Right. And, um, it was very much going for love potions yeah. and all these things that yeah. was part of that folk magic. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's what I found interesting. And as I was reading this, I was going, oh, my goodness, look at this, this thread of it is here and it is here. And they had to do this so that they could continue doing what they did. Yeah, exactly. So um, they had a big thing about working with the stars and certain stars. There were the cardinal stars that they had, like the four directional stars that represent the four um, fixed signs, and they were, you know, of that, and I could read them off if we want. But it was about the energy of working with, again, the different energies that were star-bound and the different energies that it brought down to the earth. Yeah. So earth and sky, earth and sky. They right. didn't just do a deity. And it was fascinating how that is. And they just, they work with different aspects. And, and all the teachings broken down basically are tenets mm-hmm. on how to 
live what you do. Right. You know, just as we would have the Ten Commandments for the for the the Old Testament, and we have the Bill of Rights for our Constitution. Um, they're tenants for, for the moment. <laughs> they will stand. They will stay. <laughs> Darn you all. Um, but it was how to do the right thing, be in the right place. They talk about rebirth. They talk about, you know, the soul and letting go the three days that the soul stays with the body. Right. And then it needs to be released, but then it stays earthbound for seven. And the things you write on the body of the of the individual, there are certain sigils that you put down to to allow the energy of that soul to be released from the body. Right. As much as we would do the different things in other religions of consecration of the body and the the whole, you know, point of letting, you know, you will go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, you know, Luna. The world of Luna is heaven or the summer land. Or, I mean, you could see from what they were talking about that it was the variation, but it was part of who they were. Right. The place that, you know, they talk about the Stregoni and the Stregoria wanting mostly uh, Stregas to go to the Summerland without being reborn. And you have a seven reincarnation, what we call reincarnation, seven cycles of life after life that you go through to learn. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you could go to the to the world of Luna. Mm. So it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, there was some really, as I say, to read it all off, it would take take a whole another hour um, to go over it. But it was <laughs> different things that you found on. Oh, they had ways to look at all parts of who we were and are. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what folk systems are all about. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it it was. Um, it was the best rendition of what you can do with the, the information because, again, it was oral. Yeah. So, oh, the 14th century is when it was written. You know, she was supposed to have been born, um, I think it's August 13th, 1330. Right, right, right. That's right. And 13, I was like, 1313, and it was like, figure that out. That was when it all started. No. But that was when they could put something down. Right. Right, that they could find a way. The scrolls were what they wrote down right. to try and get people out there, but the 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 it had been going on a longer time. And yeah. what we can find now is even more. I don't want to say corrupted, but changed. Right, right, right. So there's an author, and this is kind of off of. This is a, a little side road. I'm going to take. Go for side road. We're all for it. Uh, there's an author named Amanda Scott. Mm-hmm. And she is British. She's English. And she has written a series of books about Boudicca, who was a warrior who fought against mm-hmm. the Romans mm-hmm. when they were invading um, Britain. Right. Um, and we know a lot about Boudicca because the Romans wrote about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they tell a very interesting story of scary women whose faces are painted blue and fight alongside the men and all of this stuff. Right. Uh, but what Amanda Scott has done is she has gone back to an ancient process called dreaming. Mm-hmm. And dreaming is believed to have been a practice that the Druids did, where they would go in and, and the, uh, the Aboriginals have the same right. kind of dream time, mm-hmm. right, where you go into the dream time and you can travel and follow the roads mm-hmm. and witness and watch mm-hmm. and see. 
what actually took place. So it's a very woo concept. But she's written these books about Boudicca's life and the experiences and the things that happened after dreaming through it. Uh-huh. And these books are freaking incredible. Uh-huh. So who knows? Is she... Is this just her reaching her creative psyche and uh-huh. pulling the threads of a story through? Maybe. Is she actually time traveling and going and witnessing what happened between these people? Uh-huh. Maybe. Uh-huh. I don't know, and I don't care, really, because what's come through is something that reads like truth. Right. Right? And that's what we're doing, and that's what Strega looks like to me, right? It's got these threads of history. Uh-huh. It's got these threads, these loose threads of things that we are putting together. And then we're taking these modern concepts that we know work because we've been practicing them for almost 100 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're fitting them together, and it's created this new beautiful tapestry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need all of those layers, Mm -hmm. you know? It is creation. Evolution, et cetera, if we want to look at any of the scientific points for us, is, is what starts to work continues and what you need to, what dies out doesn't work, it leaves and then something new comes in and that's probably why Catholicism mm-hmm. actually has changed right? because right. it cannot be as rigid as it has been. Not only is it losing no. No, parishioners, it, it isn't going to survive. Right. You know, and you read the old ways, the condemning ways, the ones that are, you know, you will, thou shalt not do shit yeah. to go. And now it's, it's, yeah, there's a little bit more play. And, yes, there's more things with humanity that we need to look at. So the same thing is with the, the old ways. Yeah. I'm curious in some of the research you did, because I did not make it down this road around a time, but do you know who some of the saints are that are that have been kind of clung to? With? Actually, you know the thing that I found? There were no saints. Oh, okay. They didn't utilize taking the people and making them into saints right. to keep them a part of it, except, you know, the Diana. Okay. You know, Diana became Diana. She became through that, she, she Aradia, and Aradia is that it was a very... Um, tighter connection with uh, the dynamics. I mean, just like Lucifer, they wound up Lucifer, but then there was another part of it being um, a god as opposed to Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the reason why Lucifer was chosen among all the other things is that was Catholic. Right. You see, between it was not just one of the um, the arc, angels, in the, the, but part of the Old Testament. And how do you do this? You meld them together. What do you do when you want to get two tribes together? Mm-hmm. You get one person from one tribe and another from another, and you well, bring them together for a third. Absolutely. One of the things, um, going through some of my notes here, actually, I did find one saint. Oh. St. Anthony. Okay. Was believed to have been a powerful witch. Okay. And the Romans made him a saint. Okay. Who knows? There you go. But there you go. Yeah. But what I what I find interesting, the reason I asked if you had any saints in your mm-hmm. in your notes over there, mm-hmm. is because it would be easy, interesting to say, oh, okay, Saint Anthony, who who could that have been as far as a deity is concerned? And really, if we go back further and further, we're going to get to these tutelary spirits who would have been the spirit of 
the glen or the lake or the forest right. or whatever. Right. Or, you know, or the guy who did this amazing thing and we're right. going to immortalize him. Right. But, yeah. So I was just curious. No, they, they, they kind of hung with the stars and then they hung with the Gregory, which is the watchers and the the keepers of the, the portals, which be, you know, the watchers of the, you know, the you know, watchtowers, yeah. and, you know, things like that. We call on them, but they were very much the Gregory. Um, they basically then kind of delineated with different kinds of spirits. So there was a lot of things about different spirits of trees and mountains and rivers that were spirits mm-hmm. that had little names. The interesting thing was the Lasse. Now, that is something the Lasse were um, ancestral, right? Ancestral. Yeah, yeah. And um, you have the Lhasa and the Lari. The Lari are, um, now i got to make sure before I make a, a mess of the dynamics, but I believe the Lari are part of the older gods mm. and the Lhasa aren't. But, again, we're talking Etruscan versus... Right, right. You know, right. So it's kind of a, an iffy. But you, you basically make a special place in your home, mm-hmm. and you have, and they had tendency to have wings, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that happened. Um, but they have wings, and a lot of the things is you offer them um, water and wine and milk and honey. So it sounds familiar, right? Very much ancestral worship, and they are yep. part of the dynamic of ancestors, but not necessarily your direct ancestors, but right. the ancestors, they're the old ones. Uh, so it kind of jumps to a different version than okay. just your own family ancestors. Interesting. So, so the ancestor veneration coming through again and yes. again with all of these. Symptoms. Yeah, because so. in the end, yeah. if there was an old one yeah. that did something way back mm-hmm. and they were really powerful and then through the time they got the aura and the, the, the mystique right. of being out of body old one right. from above or wherever, then they kind of just changed it. Yeah. And, you know, what do we say? We forget all about the bad stuff and we enshrine the, the, <laughs> right. the, the place up there. Right, right, right. So, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of what I've read and I go, it's really great. It sounds wonderful. It hits home. But what it did to me mm-hmm. was it vibrated an energy in me that was part of my own DNA. Right. And that's how I knew it was real. Yes. Because it vibrated, whether it was because you talk about Tana and Tanus, and, you know, it was just this was very real. Yes. And if it comes to this piece being what I need to use, then that is it. If I do it another way and it it kind of comes together, it still is real. Yeah. And I think that's what I took away from all of what I researched and all of what happened to me was more of a breaking open of a layer and one thing about taking the old ways and spending so much time justifying who's older and better and more true to the way it used to be. Right, right. It's never going to be that way. No. Now, what do we tell our clients about the old relationship? You're never going to get the old relationship back right. to so-and-so. Sometimes it's gone. Different. It has to be different. Yeah. yeah. Well, and if you are feeling, you know, if you've got roots or you're interested in the Roman gods or there's something about Italian witchcraft that's appealing to you or if the word strega puts 
the little hairs on the back of your neck up. <laughs> anyway, it's worth exploring and finding out about. And Gramasi's books are excellent, and they're very helpful and informative. And, you know, you take it and then you, it out. you go with it. But there aren't, and I mean, there isn't very much really out there on it. Right. And I think it's it has its own... <sighs> its own time that has come and gone and now we need to, you know, stop trying to, to justify. Yeah. Um, there's a great children's book called Strega Nona. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, there's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we are close to our time. We are. We are. Friday. Done. Almost gone. But we'll be back next week. Yeah, we, we're we're very um, Mediterranean those last few weeks. We had Dionysus, Strega, and next week's Hestia. I know the Greek god goddess Hestia. of the uh, hearth. Yes, the Titaness. Fascinating because it's like, wait a minute, maybe there's something about that energy we're working on. Yeah. Kind of it's pretty funny. Yeah, I know. We just we decided on some of these things. We were, you know, kind of brainstorming. Right. And it just kept coming out. Mediterranean for a minute. So, so whatever it is, we're Mediterranean. Yep. We'll find our way to the other parts of the globe soon enough. Yes, we will. Yep. Yes, we will. So well, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.